This podcast is proudly sponsored by Drama Victoria. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are speaking with Emily Goddard. She is going to be talking us through the style Buffon, some of its history, how you can use it in the classroom and why you would decide to introduce it to your students. She runs workshops for teachers, workshops for students. She's been on the VCAA playlist. Emily Goddard knows her stuff. Emily Goddard is well-respected and renowned in the Victorian drama school sector, so it gives me great pleasure to bring to you an interview with Emily Goddard on Buffon. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Emily Goddard. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. I am uh, really excited to have you on because I recently was part of your workshop at the Drama Victoria State Conference, Get Your Buffon. No, Get Your Buffon. Yeah. And fun. Exactly. And it was so much fun. It was probably, it was one of the, the most loved workshops uh, at that state conference. It was brilliant. Aww. It was so engaging. Everyone had an amazing time. I think you uh, made a lot of friends in that room very quickly. We had a really fun day, didn't we? We really had a, it was a beautiful group. And one of the, uh, the, the questions that you started that workshop with was what is Buffon and I think that's a great question to start off this episode all about Buffon and what it's about and why it exists and why we might do it uh, as artists and why we might participate participate in it so would you like to be able to give us some background on Buffon and tell us what you think it is? Buffon in essence is a form of grotesque satire or grotesque mockery Um, and it's essentially where um, a form where Um, uh, kind of outcasts mock those who have oppressed them. So I learned Buffon through um, with Philippe Collier in Paris and he tells a story of um, the fable of the Buffon where um, back a long, long time ago in medieval France, um, the, the children of God of the villages, the kind of perfect people, shunned and sent out to the swamps anybody they, they deemed to be imperfect. Um, and together in the swamps, um, the Buffon kind of lived together and they began to, um, they, they stayed in their pack to survive. And, um, and every year they were invited back into the town to scare away the plague. Um, And they used to do these performances under the guise of entertainment, but um, what they really were doing was trying to to kind of kill with their words, basically. They wanted to kind of bring down the establishment, expose the hypocrisy of the society that has that has thrown them out and they did this through 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 mockery so it looked like entertainment but actually the buffon would would do these grotesque parodies of of the audience and there um and this is Gollier said he, he the buffon would um their their biggest wish was that the audience would laugh and laugh and then go home and realize that it was them being mocked and then die of a violent heart attack so the, the the Buffon, their words were their weapons, and their their and their their parodies were their kind of um, were their revenge. 
Um, so the essence of it really is a, a style of mockery that has to um, really dance this very fine balance between grotesque and charming. Because if the, if the, the Buffon go too far and their parody is too obvious straight away or too, uh, too intense and too vulgar, um, then they, the audience would kill them. So they have to be very, very charming. They have to go very, they have to be very charming and seductive and then build their mockeries. And then as soon as they know that they've gone too far, pull back again. So it's a real dance between grotesque and charming. Um, and as a form, as a, as a, as a performance style now, we can see, I mean, it's often, it is a form of clowning, but it's a very dark form of clowning. And, and it's sort of the opposite to traditional clowning because traditional clowns, the audience laughs at the clown's stupidity. Um, and the, the, the clown also loves their audience. But with Buffon, it's the opposite. The, the Buffon are very calculated and they're laughing at the audience. And um, and they and they hate the audience. Essentially, they 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 want to they want to bring them down. They want to shake them up. They want to um, kind of want to expose everything that's wrong with them. So so they're the kind of key differences. But the, the, there are some big similarities in terms of the importance of connection with the audience and the importance of of fun and pleasure and openness. Um, in the in the performance yeah so that's Buffon uh, how would we expect to find Buffon would we pick up a Buffon script or would we be using Buffon just as a way of of rehearsing or is it a style we use in plays I think it's kind of all of those I mean I don't think there are uh, there aren't I'm Philippe Gollier has written some Buffon scripts um and I'm sure there are there are sort of traditional Buffon scripts out there. Um, but I think that Buffon is used, elements of Buffon are used in a lot of different performances and particularly in satire and political satire. But I don't, it, it's not really used in its, um, the way that it's taught, I don't see that used in performance so much in terms of, um, performers using the body mask and, um, you know, really kind of big grotesque costumes. So is Buffon a bit like Commedia where there are one or two scripts out there, but really it's a form of improvisation or actor training in order to, uh, in order to entertain the audience? Um, I think, I think there are two extremes to it. I think as a form of actor training, it is, um, it's incredible. And what it does is unlock a freedom and a, um, a a sense of kind of anarchy and play and um, and and spontaneity and um, I mean it gives you so much as an actor to study it. But I think also if we take it into performance, um, it's such an incredible way of making a show because you're also you have a really clear intention of what it is that's kind of being um, targeted and what it, and, and you're very conscious throughout the devising and the making of the show, what effect each 
party is going to be having on the audience because it, it just has to have this constant um, play with the audience and a real kind of consciousness of, of what it's doing to them. And if you're watching this as Eden or a Buffon performance and the audience is coming to watch, are you mocking the, the, the live audience or are you kind of stepping back in time and mocking the original uh uh, the original antagonists of the piece? Well, I, th- I guess with This Is Eden, it was, um, it was both because we were able to tell the stories of the female convicts through the mockeries that the female convicts would have done or we, we imagined that they'd done. We knew that they made up performances that mocked the authorities as part of their rebellion. So that... Um, so there was that stream to it where the audience would watch the character kind of back in 1837 performing those mockeries. But we chose particular mockeries to also have... Um, we, we chose ones uh, and we chose characters to be mocked where we could really draw the parallels between back then and now. Um, so that there was still a sense of kind of contemporary resonance to shake up the audience. But then there was another character in This Is Eden who was very much the present day and she was the the tour guide. Um, And I think she, in a sense, she, she, in, in a sense, she mocked the audience, not directly. I mean, she didn't get someone to stand up and uh, she didn't kind of take on their voice and, like it wasn't a personal mockery, but it was definitely, there was definitely a, a targeted approach in that performance to um, to shake up and to look at our idea of um, ignorance and the way we see our history and the kind of way we romanticise it. Um, so I think, yeah, there were two streams of it in that show. But in terms of direct mocking, it was it was sort of more the issues and the um, the status quo that was being mocked rather than you know particular people. And during the workshop, we went through I think as a group uh, a huge change in our understanding of Buffon, and I think it might be worth talking through some of those at least revelations I had watching other people, even if I didn't have them myself, seeing other people understand um, the style and how it works. The it was a style I, I certainly struggled with, especially that idea of being grotesque and then incredibly charming. Uh, that idea of having to save your skin uh, while, while also mocking, and then uh, making sure the person you're mocking is is feeling loved while also working within the group to protect them. Those are like six disparate thoughts I had at once. But uh, you understand the style, so <laughs> what are some of those? Um, how do we pass some of those elements? How do you? How do you? do all of that exactly right how do you do Buffon <laughs> how on earth are you supposed to do all of that at once yeah I mean it is a lot isn't it and especially it's it's a lot for um to kind of take in and um be able to embody very quickly in a workshop too um I think it's something that has to be understood on a on a physical visceral level rather than um so much of a, a kind of cerebral level, I think. Um, because if we kind of just talked about it and then got up and did it, we would be, I mean, what is grotesque anyway? Like we all have different ideas of what that is. I, I think the thing about Buffon is that 
where where it comes alive and where it exists is when we go too far and i mean too far like way further than we ever thought that we should go um and wherever we're further than we ever th thought we were allowed to go because in that place we 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 find a freedom that is extremely captivating to watch and extremely fun to work with um but to get there i think we have to remember that it's all a game and i mean this applies to everything i think this really this is an idea that really should apply to any acting and any devising and theater making that it's our pleasure and our fun and our lightness that really has to lead us there. And if we don't have that, then um, we can, especially with Buffon, I mean, if we don't have lightness, if we don't have pleasure and fun, if we don't prioritise that game at the very beginning, um, it will become forced and it will become heavy and it will become um, kind of too much. <laughs> in a way that's not watchable. You know, we, we sort of shut off. Um, yeah, I think it's always, and, and we're always playing a game with the audience. You know, yes, they're being shaken up, but, but they, they, should be, um, they should be having huge fun watching while they are. And that's the kind of interesting thing about Buffon because we're going, oh my God, is this, is this, is this me up there? Is this, it, it, we, we should kind of be captivated and also feel sick at the same time about what's being presented to us and what's being shaken up inside us. But I think from the other side, when we're doing it, that idea of lightness and play, and I think when we're working together as a pack as well, um, there's safety in numbers and, and there's an energy and perhaps you felt it in the group that day in the workshop, when you kind of get together like that, there's a sort of, bigger energy that you feed off each other and you can support each other. So it doesn't feel like you're sort of out there by yourself, um, um, sort of having to, to do it all alone, which would be scary to start with, especially when you're not used to it. But I think it's also the whole thing is a process of trial and error. And, and when we find things that work with Buffon, and we did this in an exercise, I think, where um, people were doing individual short mockeries. I think we were doing a, um, a, a lollipop man from my, from my memory. Um, the different things will work for different people. People will have different fun, fun people have fun with mocking different things in different ways. And for some people, it's a, it's a different voice. For some people, it's, you know, I mean, the mockery itself, like, Someone will have huge fun mocking Pauline Hanson, but they won't have a lot of fun um, mocking, I don't know, you know, um, the, the, the woman of Pilates. Like, it's all, um, I, I think it's all very individual and we all go to extremes in different ways. So it's really, it's, it's a process of exploration and it's certainly we have to embrace that and we've got to embrace the curiosity when we're working with it because, um, you know, if you stop at your first or second attempt, then um, we're not going to have found anything. And sometimes it takes a long time to kind of tap into it and for people to really kind of surrender. 
but I think again, it's the it's the game, it's the pleasure, it's the connecting back to that feeling you had as a kid when you were playing a game of make believe. It's the same thing, or when you're playing a game of chasey, or when you're um, when you're playing a game that's really really fun and you feel really alive and not thinking too much. That's where you want to be when you're working and when you're playing with it. So does Buffon uh, have a, a meaning in French? Yes, it's um, it it means to the jester or the comic. So we really do connect with that that idea of the jester. I guess in in our, our Western sensi- sensibility understands that the jester was there to entertain the king and the queen. But if the jester went too far, off with their head. Yeah, I mean the jester also mocked the king and queen, didn't they? They were the only ones that were allowed, right? Yeah. And they had to be very careful. And we're, I guess we're a bit familiar with that, with the clowns um, from Shakespeare's classics and, and others. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And if we look at like a contemporary, I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen is a very interesting example of contemporary Buffon because the characters he plays are often um, kind of on the edge or from the edge or from the edges of just, oh, God, how do I explain that? Um, they're from minorities and they're... Um, and they're mocking the majority. Yeah, he doesn't often play the person in power. He often plays the underdog. No. And I think that's a really important element of Buffon, that Buffon's always punching up. It's never punching down. And, and when we talk about, you know, when we talk about outcasts and we talk about, we, we're, we're never mocking people who are, um, we're never mocking the outcasts. And if we look at it in a contemporary sense, we're never mocking minorities today. That's absolutely not what it is. It's shedding a light on maybe some of the some of the behaviours of the people in power and what they're doing, and being able to show those same behaviours back to them and have them enjoy that, and then go home and have a heart attack, as you said. Yes. Have them not realise that's them they're watching. Yes, exactly. Until it's too late, you know. <laughs> and then they're in. But I, but I think, as an audience, I think. Um, I mean, that's a really great intention coming at it from the performer's perspective. I think as an audience, it's different because you do know, you are going to know throughout a show if you're being mocked or what's, you are going to be able to relate to things in um, in a kind of more immediate way, for sure. Um, but, you know, maybe that's the intention of going home and feeling very sick about it is still like, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, sometimes you're going to realise in the moment that that's, that's you, that's the person that's being mocked. Like you think it's the king that's being mocked or you think it's someone else that they're making fun of and by the, you know, you whittle it down and you realise that there's part of you in that. So they're yeah. holding up a mirror yeah. in many ways. Or yeah, a and mirror. I think that's why it's such a powerful style. Really, it has such a kind of um, a strong political intention and it's um, because it uses humour because it uses humour and this balance of the humorous and the grotesque, it, it, it can, we can go to really dark places with it. Um, and we can go to really confronting provocative places for the audience because we're always dancing that line. We can always bring it back. We can always kind of make them feel a little bit more okay afterwards <laughs> and then before we kind of stab them again. 
And if, if, if students or teachers want to implement this into the rehearsal room or, or classroom and haven't been lucky enough to go to one of your workshops but maybe have listened to this podcast, is there an activity you think they could do that, um, that might encapsulate Buffon or something that they could do in class to get a, a taste of it, a sense of it? There was that uh, partner activity that we did in the workshop that I think was a really nice introduction to the concept, even though I struggled with it, having the um, the following someone. And yes, not... the following and the... Um, well, I think it's really important before doing anything like that to play games that really spark that feeling of fun, um, like a game of Chasey or um, any kind of game that your group loves that really um, kind of... Um, lifts and liberates the energy of the room um that's really important and then a very um yeah a very simple game to kind of get that um to kind of start feeling that dance between the grotesque and charming is mocking a, a partner so you're you're walking behind your partner um and you're allowed to mock them in any way you like and then they turn around and they um they feel like uh, they, they, they notice that they've been mocked or that they've, they've heard something and they ask and they accuse you of doing it and then the person who is mocking has to go straight back into really sincere, really, um, really, really charming um, apology and, and denial, apology and denial that not, you know, they, weren't, they weren't doing anything wrong. Why would they ever do that? And, um, and, then, it, so, and then it continues. Um, and that's a really fun easy, simple, lighter way to kind of um, to start that feeling and um, to, to, to start feeling what it can be like, that, that kind of dance. But um, in terms of exploring Buffon um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bigger way, I would recommend um, using a lot of costumes first and even going using this idea of the outcasts returning from the swamps really getting students to um disguise themselves never their eyes or faces playing um playing with costumes that kind of take them out of themselves into another into another kind of world so they don't need to be realistic characters these are otherworldly characters they could give themselves a huge head or a big hunchback or um they just want to be kind of these otherworldly creatures when they're working with a disguise like that um they they are more free to start playing in a grotesque way because they give they've got costumes that are just so much bigger than they are um and there's a freedom in that so i think if you're going to be playing with any kind of buffon stuff that's a really good place to start yeah, well, those three, that, that sense of play, starting with a game like Tiggy or a, a drama version of Tiggy, and then you jump into um, um, some kind of gentle mockery with those partners, and then you include uh, that grotesque costume element, and then you've got three of the those vital elements of Buffon just, yeah. in, just in one Yeah, and then session. you can also think about, like, I love doing this with groups, really um, kind of brainstorming if you if you wanted to make a buffon performance for a contemporary world where are you going to start i mean there's so much to kind of gosh i mean there's just what is happening in the world there's just so much (laughs) 
to be um, to be brought down. So I always like to say, what is but what sparks rage? You know, instead of Marie Kondo, what is sparking joy? What sparks rage for you? And write it all down. Write down all the issues, and then think about um, people that are connected to that as well. And it can be they can be political figures, or they can be people in your own life that kind of spark rage for you, like that lollipop person, or um, you know the woman at your local cafe or whatever um and how are they connected to these themes and issues that is it greed is it hypocrisy is it um is it how are they connected what is it about that person that really sparks rage for you what are they doing what can be exposed what can be mocked what can be brought down and once you've kind of then you, you suddenly you've got a group of people with so much material actually that they can start working with and then you can start playing with um yeah i mean how would you mock them and how would you mock them and um how how grotesque could you go with them but also you know how do you bring that back and keep dancing that line so yeah wow that's another kind of interesting um way to kind of um really generate ideas quickly yeah, it's a great, those four fantastic ideas. That's going to give people lots to think about. Uh, right. So thank you so much for your time. Emily My Goddard. pleasure. My pleasure. I hope everyone who tries it has extraordinary fun. Well, that is all from us at The Aside. If you would like to find out more about Emily Goddard, you can go to her website, thisiseden.com.au. There is a link in the description. You can also email Emily Goddard at goddard.emily at gmail.com Emily runs workshops for schools and if you'd like to hear a bit more about that uh, you can listen to our episode with Emily Goddard about the workshops she runs for students and teachers there are a load of episodes in the bank of the aside so please do go through those and find one that piques your interest if you would like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.